0: Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trollson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trolson Law Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. My name is Mary Vandenack, founder, CEO, and managing partner at Vandenack Weaver LLC. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about closely held businesses, tax, trusts and estates, legal technology, law firm leadership, and well being for lawyers. Before we start today's episode, I want to thank our sponsor. Here's a message from Interactive Legal.
0: And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of Interactive Legal for you, which can be done right over the internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time convenient for you. So please go to InteractiveLegal.com and click on Request a Demo.
1: On today's episode, I have Laura Sass. Laura is an estate planning attorney in New York City serving high net worth clientele. We've talked on another episode about Dynasty Trust. Today, we're gonna to talk about family limited partnerships in estate planning. Welcome back, Laura.
2: Mary, thank you for inviting me to participate on this episode. It's a pleasure to be back. I so enjoy listening to Law Visionaries and reading your articles. I must say the name of your podcast is very befitting of you <laughs> and I'm happy to once again collaborate.
1: Well, thanks, Laura. I appreciate you joining us for, and this is our High Net Worth Planning Series. On a previous episode, I asked
2: you to talk a bit about your practice. Is there anything you want to add today? I spoke last episode about my background and passion for trust and estates. I will just add that as a mother of three girls, I truly understand that estate planning is not about clients serving themselves. It's about the family members and loved ones who will ultimately benefit. I believe that estate planning is a client's gift to their children or other loved ones so that they can have the best transition possible upon clients' possible incapacity and inevitable death. Today, we're discussing an estate planning technique that I often utilize in my practice for business succession planning and to pass assets to the next generation. This is really important especially now when we're urging clients to consider using their remaining estate tax exemptions before the amounts are possibly decreased in the near term.
1: So as you noted, we're going to talk about what is called family limited partnerships today. And that term gets used, but sometimes it's an LLC, a limited liability company rather than a partnership. But I think the family limited partnership term is the one that people ask me about, even though the actual legal structure might be a limited liability company at the end of the day. There's a variety, there are a variety of issues that impact which structure should be used for a particular project. We're not going to go into all that detail today, but we're going to consider what the term family limited partnership, whether it's a partnership or an LLC means, and generally with regard to selecting it as a possible structure. So can you explain the concept for us?
2: A family limited partnership, or FLP, is typically an entity that is created by a senior family member for purposes of transitioning a business or assets to family members. Using a family limited partnership can achieve savings for estate, gift, and income tax purposes and could provide a layer of asset protection.
1: So what would the typical structure of a family limited partnership look like?
2: So as you had mentioned, there are significant variations in structures that are very fact dependent, but often a partnership might be created by a senior family member who might include a spouse or junior family member as a partner. There will be a general partner that will continue to have a certain amount of control. There will be limited partners who have less control, but an interest in the profits and capital of the partnership. If an LLC is used, instead of a general partner, you would have what's called a manager. You would also often use voting and non-voting units.
1: So let's say I'm a senior family member, and I decide to create a family-limited partnership. And I've built a real estate empire, and so I transfer some of my real estate into this family-limited
2: partnership. Now what do I do? So, really, the first issue is what you're funding it with. So, for example, like you said, if you have a real estate investment and you have several office buildings, you will want to transition those eventually to the next generation. So, funding that limited partnership with those buildings could be the first step.
1: So I get something in it. It could be the commercial real estate. We've seen investment assets can go in. You can put, put a business in. There's any variety of things that you can put into the family limited partnership. How does this family limited partnership get used as an estate tax vehicle?
2: A very simple strategy might be that the senior family member uses annual exclusion gifts of interest in the family limited partnership. So she might transfer units of up to $15,000 in value to each of her junior family members each year. The units could be transferred either directly to those family members or into any one of a number of different types of trusts that layer in both control over disposition of the assets and asset protection.
1: And so the annual exclusion for clarification means what? So we can-
2: it's a certain amount that someone who is a U.S. person could gift to whomever they want every single year. It's fifteen thousand um, dollars, and that could be cash, securities, business interests, FLP, etc.
1: And when they do that fifteen thousand, they don't have to pay any gift tax.
2: Correct. No gift tax return needs to be filed. No gift tax needs to be paid. You don't use any of your lifetime exemption against estate tax.
1: So if I have an 11.7 million exemption and I give 15,000 to 10 beneficiaries, I have not used up any of my lifetime exemption.
2: None. It's like a freebie from the IRS. And we like freebies from the IRS. Love.
1: <laughs> so what about the senior family member who might be considering using his or her lifetime gift exemption?
2: For that situation, the senior family member might create an irrevocable trust. Again, there are multiple types of strategies depending on the client's overall fact situation and objectives. A client who is in a position to use her estate tax exemption and give away $11.7 million in assets might gift that amount to an irrevocable trust without retaining any type of access to the assets in that trust. A client who desires instead a stream of income might engage in a part-sale, part-gift transaction with a trust. This strategy is often considered what's called an estate tax freeze. The client essentially converts an appreciating asset into a note receivable that won't grow in value in the client's estate.
1: We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors, Carson Private Client.
0: Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
1: Okay, let's continue our episode. So when a client gives cash in the amount of $11.7 million to a trust for her beneficiaries, the value of the gift is clear, right? This is $11.7 million dollars. And now we go to my real estate example, and I instead transfer real estate into the family limited partnership, and then I am gifting units of this limited partnership interest. And let's say there's non-voting units. There's various discounts that I can apply. So can you explain the concept of how discounts on those partnership interests create leverage when using a family limited
2: partnership? So there are various types of discounts that could be applied in valuing a family limited partnership interest. Let's say that the value of the real estate inside the partnership is worth $15 million. However, the donor transfers a small percentage of non-voting interests in the family limited partnership. The recipient of the interest is unlikely to be able to readily sell those interests. So you therefore get what's called a lack of marketability discount. In addition, if the recipient owns only a minority interest, there may be a minority interest discount. There may also be a control premium allocated to the voting interests. So the bottom line here is that because of these various discounts, an asset inside an LLC that is worth $10 million, if not owned within the LLC, may actually result in LLC interests that are worth something less than $10 million because of the structure. So as an example, discounting of even up to 35% is not uncommon. This provides an immediate estate tax advantage as opposed to a gift structure that doesn't allow for this type of discounting.
1: And those discounts are real and supported by the IRS, right? Because if, let's say, my dad, who isn't currently living, but he puts a $10 million building into a family limited partnership and gives me non-voting units and I have 1% the chance I can like, sell that to somebody is
2: slim to none. Precisely, and let's say for now, <laughs> that's something that is allowable by the IRS. Right, that's, a, that's a, an
1: excellent point. Is there a disadvantage to the use of the family limited partnership?
2: When an asset is transferred to a family limited partnership, the partnership takes what's called a transferred or carryover basis. When interests are transferred, the ability to get a step up in basis at death is therefore impacted. There are various elections that could be made to reduce this negative impact, but there is definitely a loss of the full benefit of the step up in basis that an asset owned by the decedent received if it's owned outright at the time of death.
1: And I always explain to uh, clients and some practitioners in terms of how that step up in basis works. And that is, if I own some Apple stock, actually don't know what it is today, so I don't know if that's a great, but let's just say I own stock in company A, and I paid $1 for it, and it's worth $1,000. If I sell it the day before I die, I'm going to have gain of $999. If instead, that same stock, I die the next day, and then my beneficiary sells the stock, their basis steps up to 1000 and so they sell it, and there's absolutely no gain. And that's one of the things that we really want people to look at when they start funding this. And as you noted, there's currently a lot of legislation being tossed around that may affect the best strategy to use, and we'll need to keep monitoring, and we'll update on those issues as they develop. Well, any last
2: thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think what you just said is critically important. You know, we're, we're talking about structures that really do leverage the exemption amount, but there is proposed legislation that would significantly curtail or eliminate the use of these discounts in many estate planning contexts. So it's important that clients pay attention to this sooner rather than later. Um, again, thank you so much for having me today. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for joining me.
1: As we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal and Carson Private Client. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases.
0: Vandenack weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.
1: Ahora Media Production